Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share the experience of Diane on enderf.org. That's the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website. Diane starts by saying, this was awesome. And so here's her experience. I was cold, frightened, and then suddenly, halfway from Glendale to Burbank, I simply felt like an armor had been unlocked and my real body had been released. I felt warm, love, peace, and pure joy in that birth. I looked at myself for only a moment and at my husband frantically driving to the hospital. At the same moment, I began to multi-locate and was with my mother who was driving to Glendale for my son, Larry. I was with my doctor driving to the hospital. Interesting that I also stayed all the time with him when I arrived at St. Joe's, but also experienced heaven and what I'll describe. A little side note here. Very interesting so far. I just have to point out multi-location. Uh, this comes up occasionally. And and it's another illustration of that concept of, you know, how if it's a time issue, it's a non-issue. If it's a location issue, it's a non-issue. So, anyway, okay, back to the experience. I could tell the doctor everything he did during my arrival. I could tell him down to the minute, minute details of accompanying the nurse to the basement of the hospital to get the plasma for me, to the oxygen in the elevator wall he was giving me while during CPR. Everything he did, and they did, while also being in heaven, being instructed and shown around. So she's seeing these things all at the same time. So cool. At the same time, I was with both my mother and doctor and husband. I was also with my sister, Nanette, at the Los Angeles Stock Exchange, with my sister, Sharon, at college, and my brother, Raymond, at high school. I multilocated, knew their thoughts, and what each was doing and related it to each, each of them. I was also with my son, Larry, who was being cared for by Mary. I was vividly aware of each and every one of them. At the same time, it was as if I were in an invisible plane, hovering over the San Fernando Valley and seeing the beauty of it all. At the same time, I was also looking down on Earth from space and seeing how awesome Earth looked from space. I went through the universe, understanding within me that this was a place I knew, and suddenly I was on a real living firmament. A living place of pure love. The waters were living waters. The grass was living. The trees were living. And the animals were living, more alive than Earth is. My guide is actually an angel with a solid body of light in the same form and design as our earthly bodies is as our earthly body is but solid light words are inadequate to describe heaven as it is fantastic i knew i was home i knew this was where i'd come from to earth in those seven minutes of death on earth i experienced seven weeks of time or more who knows I first came to an absolutely serene and beautiful countryside. This was where I saw animals, including unicorns, 
And they were so beautiful and contented, so full of love. The grass, trees, and flowers were all so exquisite that my mind said so, and in return, a vibration of love flowed back to me from them. The water was so spectacular that I expressed this in my mind, and the waters were living and sparkled back to me with love. There was a melody or music all around, not unexpectedly, and perhaps because I love music so much. And God has permitted me several times in this life to hear this awesome music, fully more melodic and more beautiful than anyone could write while here on earth, just suddenly playing and filling my soul with joy. This angel took me to a place like a coastal community where I flew above it without wings or plane, and it was wonderful, alive and so beautiful. And then he, I was aware this angel was male, took me to a place where there was a computer. Now you can imagine how difficult in 1958 it was to describe after I came back what now, what I now have words to describe. So I will give you both what I saw and then how I tried to explain what I saw. He showed me God's computer. You got that. Heaven has a computer we will never catch up with on earth. And Angel and I were discussing my choice to enter earth in 1936 versus the other choice I debated or that of the Civil War period. So he went over to a wall area. This room was white and very clean and orderly and took a tiny case. Now, I know is what we call a jewel case for CDs. At this time, I did not know how to describe this tiny case, but clearly it was a civil it was the Civil War era. And he took me or and he took from this case this less than half dollar sized CD which I described as a metallic record without a hole in the middle, and he slipped it into the tabletop. It wasn't a desk at all. Suddenly, the entire wall in front of me, I'd say that it must have been a good 50 feet or better, just opened up, and it was like looking down on Earth during the Civil War. And I was in it as a human being, female, and all this killing was going on. And I said in my mind, oh, I can't stand killing at all. This is why I didn't want to go to earth then. And as quickly as I thought this, I was back by the angel and out of it. The wall closed and the metallic disc popped out, which he replaced in the case and put back on the shelf. After that, we went about several cities and I saw one quaint, another of like green grass, and then another like so many of our own great palaces or majestic buildings. The streets were indeed of gold, and this awesome fountain was in front of one massive building that just sparkled blue-green light giving love from it. It is something you never forget. He took me into this very massive structure, richer and more beautiful than anything he could ever create on earth. I realized that all paintings, all woven rugs, tapestries, carvings, all we create on earth that is beautiful has its seed from heaven. We saw all this before we came to earth. 
we try to recapture some of heaven while on earth. We deeply desire heaven on earth. We miss heaven deep in our souls. I instantly knew that we were before, let's see, I instantly knew that we were, that we were before we came to earth and understood why we came to earth. We come but once. We do not reincarnate, but might remember a test phase before our final decision on the time frame of our earth. We do get to check out our or we do get to check out the role we pick before we come, and we basically know how it will go. We can even decide to come during the same time frame as others we knew very well in heaven, and we try to meet while here. We do pick our families, and we do pick our race, color, and creed. That's part of the test. There's no race, color, or creed in heaven, only here for the test. And I will explain why the test, why some are deformed, why there is good and evil as well. It was enlightened to me while there. And something almost like, wait, wait, it's not yet time to reveal this information. There's no logic to all of this as well. I understood death was really a transitional birth. As a baby is born from a mother's womb, it actually has died to its previous life in her womb the life of water into the life of air. We, when we die to earth, we are born again, this time into the life of life from whence we originally came. It is full circle, but must be done to pass the test. This palace the angel took me to was spectacular and very, very high. I'd say the hallways were approximately three stories or more high. Very ornate and beautiful marble hallways with exquisite paintings and these columns that were of gold or, and detailed with absolute beautiful adornments on them. Absolutely beautiful adornments on them. There was some form of writing on the doors which were fully 25 feet or more high and automatic as well. The writings were more like ancient symbols but very familiar to me. I seemed to understand them. And suddenly we came to these two very magnificent doors, which automatically opened, and this awesome presence filled the marble floor throne room. It was definitely the throne room, and I was acutely aware that I was only being permitted to view the reflection of God's light, not the full force of his awesome wonder. I was so filled with love and wanting to hug him with joy. And his voice came within my mind, and he commanded me to stretch forth my hands and arms to see that I was made of solid light. And I did so. And then he infused within my mind the knowledge that we all are of solid light, male and female, each with our own identity and purpose each created before entry to earth, and each was male or female prior to that entry. He contains both sides, and this is the truth of it. For it is not the sexual side, but the strong and the gentle of each side of him that determined who we'd be created as, a balance of his being. 
and he told me within my mind that I would understand who we are and why we are on earth. And that he used me as his instrument to bring forth these sons back to him. That I'd agreed to this and, this, and that I was not being punished at all. These are his exact words. They are treasures so rare. I can part with them no longer. I bring these sons through you for my vanguard. They need no further test. And unquote. I gave our father eight sons at or right after birth, but never lost faith that he would send children for me to love and to keep here on earth. And he has given five children for, to love. Now four with the murder of my eldest son in 1980 at age 24. Let me pause for a quick second. This was unclear to me um, at first, but reading through this as it is, it appears that there were, that this, that, um, Diane had several sons that died um, and therefore went back to God. And that's kind of, it seems to be what they're talking about in case that was as unclear to you this time as it was to me my first time. Um, but it looks like they are, uh, other than the one that died at age, or that was killed at age 24, um, she has several other children five five children to love but now four with the death of the one at age 24 okay back to the text i have a peace most humans do not have over death because i know that it is what christ meant by these words unless you are born again you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven it has nothing to do with the meaning religion has given it it means it is something we all must do our father also told me that I would have to go back to earth and complete my test. The test was not over and there was much that I needed to do. He affirmed that he loved me and would be with me all the days of my life. Even when I fall down and fail him, he has never left my side. I understand now why there was good and evil on the earth. It is actually a real battle for our individual souls. It is why we all have a guardian angel or good angel prodding us to do good and a tormentor tempting us to do wrong. There is a lot at stake here. And frankly, our creator does not wish to lose one soul he created because we are all created out of him and his love. It already saddens him greatly to be losing a third of his angels who followed his first creation, Lucifer. He is overjoyed with the other third of the angels who followed Michael and defended him, casting them out of heaven. Note, cast out but not destroyed for good reason. Uh, ever ask yourself why we call new newborn babies little angels and why we want heaven on earth? Or why we look upwards toward the sky and want to fly? Or why we are fascinated with space? Ever ask yourself what did the other third of the angels do during the battle in heaven between the good angels and the bad ones? Ever wonder exactly how the battle was won? The battle was of the minds. Love versus hate. Love won because love is linked to God. He is love, life, and light. A trilogy. 
life is also a trilogy. And it is in the three forms we identify theologically to God as water, air, and light, or living waters, breath of God, light of the world, or however we wish to describe the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Much like the Son being the Father, while the sunshine is the Son, and the warmth of the sunshine is the Holy Spirit. Anyway, I really did not wish to come back, but then again, knowing that I was an angel who had made that choice in heaven during that battle and did not deserve being cast out nor getting to remain just because I came back to continue the test. It also explained to me why it was possible for me to be hit by a car in the crosswalk on a, on a crosswalk in February 1955, be thrown 134 feet across the lanes, uh, head on in, into a streetcar and walk away from it without a broken bone. Los Angeles Police Department has a police report. Evidently, I must have remembered in that moment without consciously being aware of it that I could fly without wings. I've had a life full of miracles, literally. Medical miracles written about and commented by doctors as only you and God would do this to me. (laughs) The instant that our father sent me back, it was rapid with the speed of light. I went through the universe so fast and down to earth and down to my body. Remember through, let's see, remember though, that I also knew everything everyone I loved or connected to me during death was doing at that precise time period while I was in heaven. I saw my body on the table. The cesarean section uh, performed and Michael was outside in the doctor's hands and I slammed in through my head as I watched Michael go out from his head and then I was out in a critical condition and did not awaken until the next day when the doctor came to tell me that my son died. But instead, I told him about it all. And and the moment that Michael's birth, let's see, the moment of Michael's birth back home. I'm going to pause for just a quick second. Um, I'm getting, you kind of get the story here as she tells it. We're finally finding out how she died. She was apparently pregnant with her son, Michael, and was hit by a car in this, you know, brutal um, accident. But in, and then in the uh, rushing her to the hospital, they do a cesarean section and uh, to save her baby. And the baby is dead, unfortunately. So she survives without too big of an injury, but her child dies tragedy, but um, but without this, and, and it would have been a bigger tragedy had she not had this experience of the other side. Anyway, continuing on. Imagine in 1958 trying to explain this to the doctors. My priest was better at understanding what I was discussing, and then I just stopped talking about it and got on with my life because I now had the keys to the kingdom of heaven. It is about love. One must love oneself. This way we love God. He is within each of us. We then can love others, including enemies. We are here to love life 
and to live life and to express back to our Creator our joy in having life here and seeing how beautiful our world is regardless of how we make it. It is very a very beautiful world that we should all stop to take into our souls for nourishment. I learned too that we are never asked to endure more on this earth than we are also given the ability to endure. If we reach inside ourselves for that grace, we agreed to that test. We were confident we could do it too. Oh, and another thing I understood was that ghosts are just mentally projected images of the person sending the image, not the physical being, and that they can mentally touch, leave a scent of flowers, or if evil, the same. However, they cannot harm you. You have the right to make evil leave, and they must. And a ghost is not thin air, but a projection by thought, when like walking through walls, etc. I even understood, uh, I even understand UFOs. It is what we expect in our time frame chosen, so it is what we see and get. Each era is different with different sets of conditions, and it is up to us to make what is important the focal point of our life. We need but love, and with it we receive faith, hope, and confidence to get through it. That's the end of Diane's experience. Wow! Uh, this is fascinating, and there is a ton here I'd like to, to discuss. It's like every paragraph I started highlighting, and then I realized, in order to come back to and then I realized, well, wait a minute, it's, it's pretty much every paragraph, so we'll just kind of piece through the whole thing. First off, I should, I should say, um, um, I'm not clear from this what religion um, Diane is. I see reflections of, well, a few different religions in here, but, uh, it, but that doesn't seem, that, that doesn't really matter. I mean, the, her experience is her experience. But, um, and maybe she's not part of any religion at all. Um, but I say that because there are some strong religious overtones that some people may say, well, you know, she's that religion, therefore that's why she's saying it that way. But that's not completely fair. And, and it's not completely fair to anybody to say it that way. Um, because while some people say their religion was completely overturned, like they, everything they were taught as a child about God and so forth was completely wrong, and therefore, you know, they left their religion or whatever. Um, many others seem to say, no, my, it seems rather consistent with what I believe, and yet, obviously, adds more to it that I didn't understand previously. And uh, I say that partly because um, among the wording in this, is that um, she keeps referring to this life as a test. Now, I have heard near-death experiencers say things like, this is, this is not a test. We're here to experience, not be tested. Okay, And so the question comes up, how can one person have an experience and, and discover from the experience this life is a test, and another come back and say, and, and say this life is just an experience. And to that, I think the answer is both. It's both. And it seems to be 
that for some it's more experience and a little bit less of test and to others it's more test and less of experience you know what i'm saying it's like it's like it's both and how that plays out for the individual is going to be unique to every individual and um and i i wanted to stress that because so many times with these kinds of things especially as we're taking in what we're learning from near-death experiences versus what we've learned in our religion versus what we've always believed about what our religion teaches, which is a separate thing. I've come to realize a very separate thing, what we believe our religion teaches versus what the religion actually teaches. <laughs> Sometimes it takes diving into the, uh, the, the religious works of a religion to find out what it really believes. And yes, those beliefs modify... Um, and change with time. Either the doctrines do, or the the teachings do, or the uh, the explanation for things, the interpretation of scriptures, and so forth. Those things change based on time and and experiences and the needs of the people. And I don't knock that at all. I think that's necessary. But um, um, to this question of well, is it this or is it that? Almost always the answer seems to be. Well, it depends, or it's both. And so trying to block out anybody's interpretation of a thing entirely is not always wise. Even, and I, I give this as a personal thing, people talk about reincarnation, and um, even in this one, they, they say it's not, it, there is no reincarnation, but there is this, and we'll talk about that in a minute, because I find that fascinating. But um, even that... <clears throat> I used to reject outright any form that would say reincarnation. I would say, no, no, just, that's just wrong, you know, because it didn't coincide with everything else I understood. But now I'm coming to see that, well, wait a minute, it's a big universe. It's a, it's a, a huge eternity that we're living in. Sure, it may not be exactly as people think it is, but perhaps there is something that we could almost call a reincarnation that is not a full reincarnation, but perhaps there are experiences that are forms of incarnation of sorts that are experienced. I don't know what that would entail. I, what I'm saying about that is, no, I don't believe in reincarnation, but I do have a place. It's on my, I don't believe this, but there may be something more to it than what I understand shelf. So, it's always good to keep that in mind with the uh, things that we outright reject. Um, it, it's it's often better to keep them on a on a, I don't believe that, but I have room to be um, enlightened on that at a later time when I come across more information, um, kind of a thing. And so this may be one of those things as far as is it a test or is it an experience? And uh, I think it's both. Uh, and and so. And you don't have to be troubled by that because clearly in all of it, we have a loving Father in heaven who absolutely, utterly adores us as individuals. And so whatever the case may be, whether, whether this is more of a test than an experience or more of an experience than a test or more of a, you know, a fun time or whatever else you might consider this life to be, it's all of the above. It's all of the above. 
that seems to be the answer that seems to be coming through all of this. It's a test. It's an experience. It's a time to have some fun and enjoy ourselves. It's also a time to learn and overcome our unhealthy tendencies to learn what it's like to have this physical body with all of its its fears and and appetites and so forth and to learn to overcome and yet to learn to experience and learn to you know I mean all of it all of it is part of it is is my is what I'm getting out of all of this okay um, so that's one thing <laughs> okay let's just go down here um, I love the description of everything being alive the and then uh, the music always love the mention of music <laughs> um, and this person was blessed to be able to hear this music when they return and unfortunately for my sake as a musician uh, it, it she says that um, f fully more melodic and more beautiful than anyone could write while here on earth part of me says ah oh, darn I really wanted to write that and the other part of me says oh good there's more to come <laughs> So, um, she mentions that we are all made of solid light. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know how that works. I mean, you know, scientifically we say, well, it's not a substance. You know, it's, a, it, it's made of protons and so forth, not, not atoms as we know them and so forth. But, I mean, we already, there's so much we don't know. This idea of being made of solid light. So fascinating. So fascinating. I love the mention of God's computer. I mean, <laughs> that's so cool. Right. Now, in terms of, uh, is this the computer that is sitting on God's desk in his room or whatever? I don't know if that is necessarily what, it maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, you could say, this is God's forest. This is God's mountain. This is God's house. This is God's whatever. And, and it would all be accurate. You know, it could be one that's unique to an inv individual and it's still God's version of that because everything is God's. And, and if it is praising him and if it is doing his work, then it's his, you know. And so whether this is his personal, you know, the one he <laughs> uses individually or whether it's a networked computer to God's grand computer, whatever even that means, I don't know. You know, if you were to say that that uh, the internet is the world's computer, you might say this is God's computer that uh, this person saw, and it's all linked in some way. I don't know. Anyway, but the idea of computers in on the other side is so interesting, <clears throat> and this is especially interesting because she had this experience in I. When did she say it was? In 1956, I think she said that she had this experience. Um, 1958. 1958 was when she had the experience. I mean, they didn't even have computers as as we know them now. They had rooms that were entire, you know, large things that were a calculator. You know, I mean, they didn't have anything to compare it to, and yet this computer as she describes it, had a CD player. <laughs> I mean, and a jewel case. What? what? You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it makes me think that so much of the technology that we have on this side 
is inspired by things on the other side. Now, clearly from the description given, these CDs were way beyond anything we, any CDs we ever had here, or DVDs or anything, you know, I mean, this is pretty amazing. They, you put this, this CD in that's, you know, the size of a half dollar, you know, and uh, stick it in, in the case and it, whoop, you know, brings up the screen, boom, and suddenly she is seeing different versions of places that she may choose to go for her life. I, I And I'm under the impression, it was a little bit unclear in the reading of it, but I'm under the impression that she's seeing a memory of her previous, her, of her life before coming to earth, her previous life, if you will, um, life before life. And she's seeing, you know, deciding where to go. And she she's very interested in the Civil War period. So she sees this video or this I mean, it's, it's not fair to call it a video because to see the experience of humanity, of her own experience as she would live it um, in the Civil War period. In essence, it sounds like she has a life review of the life that she would live if she chose the Civil War period. She sees it and she says, you know what, I'm just not into death. <laughs> I'm just not into the killing. It, you know, I can imagine the draw of that period because of the growth of humanity that took place at that time. I mean, the whole defense of the uh, of the Constitution and and, and uh, independence was still, you know, I mean, it was we had just gotten over the the battle for our own independence as a country, and yet now we've got this new battle for independence of the states within that union wanting to become independent. It was like this really fluctuating learning of independence as a society. I mean, I can see the draw as a spirit. Um, what I've learned about what spirits think and feel and so forth and things that interest them, I can see the draw to that period. And yet when she sees all the killing that takes place, she's like, oh, I can't stand killing at all. This is why I don't, I don't want to go to Earth then. And so, you know, they pop out that CD, boom, stick it back on the shelf and replace it with another. And, you know, it's so cool. So cool. What is that? I don't know. But uh, clearly there's some cool stuff going on there. This description that she gives of buildings is fascinating. She says, after that, we went about several cities. I saw one quaint, one another of like green glass, and then another like so many of our great palaces or majestic buildings. The streets were of gold, and this awesome fountain was in front of one massive building that just sparkled blue-green light, giving love from it. It's something you never forget. She goes on to talk about some of the uh, the tapestries and woven rugs and paintings and carvings, beautiful things that she says, we try to recapture some of heaven while on earth. We deeply desire heaven on earth. We miss heaven deep in our souls, which is probably one of the reasons that we try so hard to create these beautiful structures and beautiful art pieces, beautiful carvings and so forth, because that's home for us, where we lived uh, before we came here. There were cities, there were landscapes, we had, you know, houses on hills, we had, you know, little quaint structures, you know, in, in small rural areas. I mean, you have every kind of lifestyle, if you will, life 
setting, landscape in heaven. And whatever ones we connected with there are probably the ones we connect with here. And so I, I love that. And he says, it, she makes it sound like it was, it's missing heaven deep in our souls that pushes us to recreate these things on earth. So it's not may not just be that we're being inspired by um, beings from the other side, but maybe also we are remembering something deep in our souls about what uh, what was there. Okay, now this next part I find interesting in terms of more potential explanations for the idea of reincarnation. Uh, she says, I instantly knew that we were before we came here to earth and understood why we came to earth. We come but once. We do not reincarnate, but might remember a test phase before our final decision on the time frame of our life. We do get to check out the role we pick before we come, and we basically know how it will go. It almost sounds like... Uh, it almost sounds like in our preparing to come to Earth, we get to see different scenarios for different uh, possible choices. We may have choices of when to come, and we may get to choose based on you know a, a number of different factors, and we will choose our race, color, and creed, uh, which is interesting. We're actually choosing those things before we come. So, you know, many times we may feel pigeonholed into our situation because of our race or color or creed, you know, some of the things that we face, but it's possible that we choose those things. And it's unclear, of course, and it's going to be different for every individual, whether we choose them because they will be the best thing to guide us uh, toward what we um, are trying to accomplish, or whether they are things because they will give us additional responsibilities based on what we are trying to accomplish or whether there are things to overcome. Obviously, you know, race and color and so forth, we can't, we can't overcome or change and, and we shouldn't try, but, uh, but as far as some of the other choices of situations, for example, choosing to be born into an abusive family may be a choice that we make in order to break that chain in our generations. That seems to be a theme that comes up often. So if we feel like we're, we are trapped because of our upbringing or te the things that we were told as a child, you know, whether it be because we're that's told that we're worthless or whatever, um, it, it could be that we chose that because we wanted the experience of overcoming and learning and so forth. Now, as far as uh, reincarnation, that would explain a lot. You know, in the episode um, where we talked about um, trials and uh, with Natalie Sudman, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one if you have not heard it. Um, that's this is the second time this week that this has come up. Um, but she talks about how in her near-death experience, she is with a friend of hers, and they are trying out different ideas of what kind of injuries she should sustain from this life-threatening um, experience that she went through. It, she was, it, Her car was exploded. It was in a, 
in a war zone. She was, you know, helping build roads and so forth. And uh, their car goes over a landmine, basically explodes. And she's with this spirit, this friend of hers, and they are rehearsing what they might experience if they you know, well, let's, let's try having her missing a leg. Let's try having her, you know, uh, be blind and let's ha try having her, you know, uh, her face mauled and so forth. And they're having some fun with it, which sounds weird and, and frightening to us. It's like, what, you know, these horrible things, you know, but they're, they're laughing hysterically at some of the things, but they're rehearsing things. They're trying things out. Could it be that, as we're preparing to come and as we're deciding that we try on different outfits, so to speak, that are lives and, and have the life reviews of those lives um, and, and experience many different ones before we decide on one. I can picture, you know, if this is the case, myself being as indecisive as I am here, if I am that way there, I can picture myself trying on every outfit imaginable just just as an experience itself, you know? <laughs> and so um, it's very interesting to think about, and I don't know whether that's the case, but if you had a whole bunch of, you know, outfits that you tried on before deciding on which life you're actually going to physically experience in the mortal realm, um, I can see why one might look back and say, I remember being in India and, and being a little girl and, and having this experience and that, just trying on these different experiences, how they would play out much as an actual experience would. And yet, from what uh, Diane is saying, we actually only come but once, but we may remember a test phase before our final decision on the time frame of our life. That adds more dynamic to this question of, of uh, um, why reincarnation, there, why there seems to be some precedent for the idea of reincarnation. That may be one of them. But again, I am biased. I'm sorry if, <laughs> if, if that upsets you. I don't mean to, to try to diss anybody's beliefs. Um, if you do believe in reincarnation. I just, I just love this the dynamic of all of this, how, how broad and wide scoped this whole thing is. There's so much to be learned and so much to think about. And as for this uh, last little statement in here, I really wish she gave more detail about this because um, it's interesting and explains a few things. Um, first off, she talks about ghosts. She says that ghosts really, they're not a thing. You know how you'll have have these ghost stories of, you know, somebody being in this house or whatever, and there's this creepy image or something that they see, and it repeats itself like every night, or, you know, there's some kind of weird rapidity to it that it's like, I can't imagine a spirit doing this weird repetitive thing over and over, and yet, how do you explain what they're seeing or experiencing? I don't know, but it sounds like there may be a mental projection of an image by the person or you know and perhaps it's accidentally set into some kind of loop and it's it's clearly connected to the person because it's sent out by the person but it's not but here's the thing too it says not the physical being she says 
It's just mentally projected images of the person sending the image, not the physical being. And that's confusing because are we saying not the spiritual being or not the physical being? Because obviously it's not the physical being because there's nothing there. You can, you know, wave your hand through uh, a ghost, if you will, and you don't feel anything. But but uh, I think what she's saying is not the, the structure of the spiritual being itself, but rather a projection by that spirit. That's interesting. That's interesting. I don't know if that's the case, but it would explain some things because even an evil spirit, why would it get into this weird repetitive motion and spend all of its time in some old house that it used to live in or something? It could be that they create this, this image that somehow accidentally loops or something or or sticks around, you know, maybe, maybe that explains, I don't know, I don't know, that's, and, and as well, this, uh, she says, I even understood UFOs, and then all she says about it is, it is what we expect in our time frame chosen, so it is what we see and get, and that's all it said about it, and, and that's kind of a, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what, 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 it almost sounds like she's saying that we have the ability as beings to project images. And I'm not clear on if she means as mortals or if she means as spirits, you know, coming in and out of life as we know it now, what, what we create projections of as spirits, or maybe it's our spirit within us as mortals that are creating, I don't know, I don't know, but we're creating, uh, actual images of things. If you, if you are living in a time when science fiction is a big thing and you become spiritually in tune without knowing it and are able to project an actual image, so you're actually seeing an image that other people can see, but as a spirit you're somehow creating that thing. That's, that's wild and out there. I don't know, but it seems to be what Diane is saying, is that we create things based on our expectations, images of things based on our expectations, and so we see what we get, or we get what we see. Well, the way she says it is, so it is what we see and get. Each era is different, she says, with different sets of conditions, and it is up to us to make what is important the focal point of our life. It sounds like what she's saying is what's important to us, we have to focus on because that's what we're going to get out of life. Whether it's what we see, whether it's what we experience, we're projecting the life around us in some way. Not sure what that means exactly, but fascinating, fascinating. So with that, we'll go ahead and finish up and, and say, um, if you'd like to comment um, or share your own experience, whatever, uh, you can get a hold of me by uh, emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. You can comment on the website itself where these podcasts are posted, which is neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. And also you can call uh, 970-NDE-CAST. Uh, short for near-death experience cast 
and um, and then share your message. It'll the phone will only give you three minutes before it'll cut you off. So just call right back if that's not enough, and then just keep calling back and and continue where you left off. I'll splice them together for the podcast. I'd love to share your experiences, questions, or comments on the podcast. And one more time, I'd like to reiterate. Um, if you are getting these podcasts through iTunes or have access to iTunes, have iTunes, if you could do me a huge favor and just get on and either leave a comment or a rating, what that does is it sets iTunes algorithms um, in some way that, that says, oh, people are listening to this, so we should recommend this to people who are searching for podcasts like this. So when somebody searches for near-death experience, they will see it. Uh, They will see this podcast because they'll see, oh, this is not one that's just, you know, doesn't have any listeners, nobody cares, nobody wants to hear it. Just by leaving a rating or a uh, comment on there, or both, it will help other people to find the podcast. Also, you can share a particular episode with a friend. And if you have suggestions for formatting and in such a way so it is more comfortable for you to share uh, the podcast, please let me know. I'd love to hear it. I, I want to improve and I want to be able to share with you things that will touch you as much as they have touched me. And that's why I do these things, because I'm touched by them. So with that, thank you, each and every one of you, for listening. <laughs>